Welcome to Side Talks. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Let's say it together. Are you ready? Yep. One, it, two, three. It's, it's a, a podcast. podcast. See how well that worked? Yeah, it worked splendidly. My name's Corey Kraft. Who are you? I'm Rachel Morgan. What is this? We talk about movies. Let's do it. All right. Hey, Corey. Hey, Rachel. It's a new segment. What? Not a news segment, but yeah. a new segment. What? What? What is this new segment? Tell me so, more. As you've seen here, I've got these scraps of paper in front of you. Yep. And they all have a name of a city on them. Oh, boy. And I'm going to randomly pick a city. I think that while I'm shuffling these, we should have Brad give us some kind of weird but fun sound effect to go with the shuffling, like a bingo sound. Or Anyway, I'm going to pick one of these. Okay. And we won't know what it is. Okay. And you don't even know the options here. I don't. And so I'm going to read you the name of the city, and I want you to tell me, just very briefly, what the first film that comes to mind from that city is and what whether or not you like that film. Okay. Are you ready? Sounds good. Okay. Do you want to pick or like which one? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I'm going to no. go with this I'll, one right here. You could, you could be Carmen San Diego and, okay. and pick a city there. I'm unwrapping All a right. piece of paper. You can hear it, I'm yep. sure. Yep. Seattle. First movie that comes to mind for Seattle is. See, I, you know, a lot of movies that take place in Seattle were shot in, like, Vancouver, so I right. kind of associate that whole, like, rainy uh, Upper West Coast uh, thing. The first thing that jumped to mind was singles just because of the grunge okay. scene. You know what? That's interesting that you went with singles instead of Sleepless in Seattle because that would yeah. be the obvious. But singles is an interesting one and one that actually we talked to Brad we, about not that long we ago. Did. Which... We did. We've talked about it. Um the the second thing that came to mind, and I know you're going to love this, is is just in general the five movie Twilight franchise, oh, which I yes. believe that uh, they, they make a pit they stop go to Forks. Well, in the in Seattle, they I, in the book. Have you read the book? No. Oh, they my go God, to no. Seattle in the book. I don't know, but they go to Seattle I, in the film. I thought that in one of the movies, the red haired vampire lady oh. is like trying to build a vampire army or something, and she goes to the city to, like, bite some young people to do Yeah, I mean, that probably happened. Yeah, okay. But that is not... That's not Seattle You should not be thinking about Twilight when you think about Seattle based on what you just described. You're thinking of Forks. Forks is the place. Okay, fair enough. But anyway, we'll go with singles. I think that was your first instinct. That, yeah, that was my first instinct. That's, a, that, that's <laughs> a music association more than anything else. I didn't go with Sleepless in Seattle because I don't know. I mean, like some that the the stuff that I think about in that movie doesn't even like really take place in Seattle. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I just the title made it yeah. would have made it easy. But I, I appreciate the singles reference and yeah. a film that um, is not very good. No, I, you, you know, no, not really. It's not. A favorite of mine, I, it's you know, and it's one that we one of the things that came up was our love for Bridget Fonda and a yeah. wish for her to see her and and other things. Yeah, come but, back, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, okay. In any city you wish, I'm bringing it uh, back yeah. to the concept of the segment. I like it. Yeah. So anyway, that was um, you know, let's pick, pick a city. city. I'll pick another city next time, and you know, perhaps have more of a proper association with it. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called. Phone a friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hello? <laughs> hey, bro, bro, are you on the road? Hey, 
great. Can you hear me? Is there too much road noise? There's a lot of road noise, but it'll make it kind of fun. Well, you know, I can take it off the hands-free and hold it, but that's legal, right? Am I going to get arrested or pulled over? Hold on, I don't know, but it will make it, if you do, it'll make it more fun for us, less fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. I think I can, I think I can do a little pull over here. <laughs> yeah, and then we, we won't have that road noise. Let's see. Okay. I'm in the country, so, you know. <laughs> Are I'm you in the, sure. in the boondocks and BFE? Yes, exactly. That's where it is. Okay, cool. I'm in sort of like maybe a funeral home parking lot. It's unclear what this is, but um, they won't mind. Yeah. Okay, how's that? Oh, that's so much better. So okay, cool. <laughs> we're wondering, other than the fact that you're parked in a funeral home and why, um, what you're watching. Um, okay, well, I have one that I somehow missed. Um, I never saw. Well, that's usually how it is, but um, I watched. Broke back mountain. Hey, all right. <laughs> of the the very Corey likes it. It's a good movie. <laughs> the fun, whimsical broke right. back mountain. <laughs> nothing but good yeah, vibes it was in that a, one. Nothing but good vibes. You know, I will say, sweeping vistas. So much beautiful scenery <laughs> and all the pedal steel guitar stuff. It sounded. Lo- I mean, it felt like a calendar had come to life by Ang Lee for the for the all the mountain <laughs> scenes for sure. And it was live sheep. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, oh, and, okay, Jake, okay, how do you, what do y'all say? Is it Gienthal or Gyllenhaal? Like, what's Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllen. Gyllen. So we say the Gyllen, because I feel like Gyllen, because some people say Gien or something (laughs) weird, and I've never known. No, okay, I think we can sum yeah. this one up. We don't we don't often get things precise, but I feel pretty good that we can say it's Jake Gyllenhaal. You can just call him Donnie Darko. Gyllenhaal. Donnie Darko. Well, yeah, Donnie Darko, he did some lassoing. He, I noted he fully lassoed Heath Ledger for real. Like, he got <laughs> trained how to lasso. And I was impressed. I thought that was an authentic touch that I did not anticipate. Yeah. He's got some rope skills. Yeah. Oh. Rope skills. Yeah. Rope skills. Um, some other things I didn't anticipate was Randy Quaid. First of all, he's yep. great. Yep, he Showing was so there. good. I could have had a lot more Randy. I don't say this much, but I could have used more Randy Quaid. Honestly, <laughs> he's so you scary. Know? I thought he was really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, you we forget that he pops and, up in that film. Yeah, I know. I did not see him coming at all. And honestly, I just always having never seen it, I honestly thought it was just dudes on a mountain for like a summer or something. Right. I didn't realize it was going to span years and years and years of their lives. And there was wives. I mean, first of all, here comes your favorite. Yes. Michelle Williams. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I know. Yes, you love her. She was great. And then I'm like, what? And then here comes Anne Hathaway. And then rounding things off, just when you think there's not going to be another late day in the scene. Um, one of my favorites, Linda Carnalini shows up and I'm like, yeah. what? There's so many women in this movie that I did not anticipate at all. And, um, I mean, I could have had a whole three sub movies of their relationships, of yeah. their relationships yeah. with like, you know what I mean? Like it was, I was so invested in all this. I was like, I, I kind of need even more movies of all of these other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful and, um, picturesque and lots of cowboy things going on, like the roping and the sheets. <laughs> and uh <laughs> but yeah. um 
It's a you much know, more poetic film than I think people expect based on the sort of a lot of the, the riffing that went on and the, you know. Yeah. Um, the parodies yeah. And, and the jokes, you know, and and all the stuff. I think I think people don't sometimes realize it's a, it's a more, it's a, it could really kind of a quiet film. It is. It's. Uh, yes, I thought so too. So good. And, and like the, um, yeah, just, just the, yeah, me thinking, oh, it's just going to be, you know, oh, some guys hanging out with sheep on a mountain the whole time. But yeah, there's just so much more to it. Like rodeo angles, lots of beautiful pearl snap shirts and things like that. Oh, clothing. There's so much clothing played such, you know, such important roles in yeah. the film. Like entire outfits yeah. had their own sort of storylines and, and, you know, sections of the movie. Like they were characters themselves. So I thought that was very interesting. You know, for the first time ever, I've kind of wished that right now for you that you worked at, like, The Gap doing window displays (laughs) because you could do a Brokeback Mountain theme. What, put, like, one flannel (laughs) shirt inside another flannel shirt and make me cry at the end of a movie like that? While you're being... Yeah, inside a denim shirt, inside a... (laughs) Yeah, I could call it Brokeback Throwback. (laughs) See? I should do windows. You should. Oh, you know, one thing that... um, that I wanted to comment. So when we were watching it towards the end, um, Heath Ledger's daughter comes to visit him and she's got this badass car and Tony, who's not like a car guy, as far as I know, he's like, Oh, that's a Camaro Z 28. And I'm like, what? How do you know that? And he, apparently his uncle had one when he was growing up. And so he always kind of knew of that car. It's like a cool, cool vintage car. And um, so he wanted to double check that and just kind of, you know, make sure that's what that was. And he was right. So he looked it up, like Googled that and wrote back. And apparently there's a entire website called nastyz28.com. <laughs> and they had a whole forum on this. And apparently somebody posted a question on the forum saying, my wife saw, broke, that, saw that gay cowboy movie. And apparently there's a Z28 in that. Is that true? Is any, can anyone confirm this? Because I just don't believe that that's the case. And, um, you know, I won't. You don't need to go read the. Com- no one should read the comments beyond that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> wasn't particularly sympathetic to the movie. But um, but there was confirmation for these for these uh, Camaro fans that it is in the movie, and they're like, well, okay, I guess it's in there. Hmm. So yeah, uh, that's an interesting crossover that we discovered. Also, Lisa, thank you for the warning because I'm really could have easily stumbled upon the comments on nastyz28.com. I know I was giving you a heads up. I'm saying I'm protecting you. Yeah, it's not worth your time. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're laughing so hard, but I think we need to let you go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and also, you need to put okay, both I'll hands be... on the wheel so that you don't end up on nastyz28.com <laughs> in some other form. Uh, all right. Talk to you later, Bros. Okay. Bye. Bye. And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders the third to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. Containing what some film critics have called the best dramatic performance in cinematic history, The Passion of Joan of Arc is a 1928 silent historical film based on the actual record of the trial of Joan of Arc. Briefly banned in the UK for its portrayal of crude English soldiers who mocked Joan, The Passion of Joan of Arc had numerous cuts and edits made due to the pressure from government censors and the Archbishop of Paris. However, the version that is available today is the original cut. The film took a year and a half to complete, And although the film was shown with live musical accompaniment in theater, there is no evidence that director Carl Theodore Dreyer ever selected a definitive score. 
All current DVD versions of the film use Richard Einhorn's Voices of Light for accompaniment. Dreyer was invited to make a film in France by Société Générale des Films and chose to make a film about Joan of Arc due to her renewed popularity in France after having been formally canonized as a saint of the Roman Catholic Church on the 16th of May in 1920. Dreyer spent over a year researching Joan of Arc and the transcripts of her trial before writing the script, and the script was all made up of transcripts from her real-life trial and execution. The set was one of the most expensive ever constructed for a European film. Much of the project's budget was reserved for the expensive set, although Dreyer used so many close-ups that very little of the actual sets are seen. He dug holes deep into the ground to achieve some of the low camera angles seen in the film, and real blood from a real puncture wound was used in the scene in which Joan's arm is cut. But it was that of a stand-in and not Maria Falcinetti. 19-year-old main character Joan was portrayed by 36-year-old Maria Falcinetti. This was Maria's second and final film role. Maria Falcinetti's real name, though, was Renee Jean Falcinetti. Joan, of course, is the angelicized form of Jean. Falcinetti's hair was cut on camera before Joan's execution. She had apparently agreed to do the film, hoping she wouldn't have to cut her hair. Due to Maria Falcinetti being more of a stage actress and this being her only major film role, she has endured in the public consciousness as Joan of Arc. Popular legend says that the film was an ordeal for the lead actress and that she was treated sadistically by her director. However, many of these stories appear to be false. Quotes from actual people who worked on the film say that the two had a very good working relationship. Dreyer would have the set cleared before Falcinetti had to get into a particularly emotional state of mind for her scenes. She was, in fact, the only other person on set allowed to see the film's rushes and toward the end could play a scene only from Dreyer's explanations without needing to rehearse it. After completing the original cut of the film, Dreyer learned that the entire master print had been accidentally destroyed in 1927 in a fire. With no ability to reshoot, Dreyer re-edited the entire film from footage he had originally rejected. While several copies of the film did exist, these had been subjected to those government and church censorships and were heavily recut, resulting in what Dreyer felt was less than ideal. Dreyer died in 1968, thinking the film was lost forever. Fast forward to 1981, when a nearly pristine copy of Dreyer's own final cut was discovered in a closet in a Norwegian insane asylum of all places. What's more, it was delicate nitrate stock in a sealed can. If whoever discovered it had opened it up when they found it, instead of calling in experts, it likely would have literally gone up in smoke then and there. And now, fast film terms. What was that? I mean, is that is that noted DC superhero The Flash? That's the lead end of Fast Film Terms? Oh, that's what it is. It's Fast Film Terms. That's why it's moving so fast. Yes. Hey, you know what? what? Do you have any idea what a dope sheet is? Well, sometimes you know a guy who knows a guy, right? right and right. he puts you in touch, and he puts you on, your sh- on, a, on a sheet for... No, I yeah. don't know what a dope sheet is. Well, that is certainly a thing. Um, but this, in, in this case, uh, in the film world... Um, not just the Hollywood world, right. but the film world, is a list of scenes that have already been filmed. 
Okay. And it's often compiled by the assistant camera person. Why is it called a dope sheet? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's dope that they got all this scene shot. Yeah, it is pretty dope whenever you finish shooting something and you're like, dope. Yeah, dope. That's it. why. I've got one more for you. All right, and this is, is actually a personal favorite. Okay. Do you know what a mockbuster is? Uh, it's Yeah, it's a uh, knockoff, cheaply shot um, movie rushed to DVD shelves to confuse grandmas yep. who are looking to buy a movie for their grandsons. Like transmorphers yeah. instead of transformers. Uh, a lot of these have been made by a company called Asylum Entertainment yep. who have uh, made a specialty in it, and they are, you know, exactly the sort of quality you would expect. Yeah, and so it's a genre. It's a genre. It's a low-budget knockoff of Hollywood blockbusters uh, It could with keep, derivative titles often. Of, of course, and it could keep uh, Sidewalk Cinema's Bad Movie Night in business for... I don't know, 200 years? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, and these are generally released straight to VOD or DVD. Uh, the Da Vinci Treasure oh, is one man. of my favorites. Uh, Snakes on a Train, which already Snakes on a Plane was, anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, that's more or less its own built-in mockbuster. Yeah. And, of course, there's about a million different Frozens, which oh, is also yeah. my favorite because that's definitely, we're going we're gonna to hoodwink Grandma. Yeah. A lot of Pirates movies came out around Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. which is when I was a video store clerk and most vividly remember seeing those those DVD covers, so um, including some pornographic versions. So oh, for hopefully sure. Grandma and, and looked that pretty falls closely. In there. That falls, I mean, the porn segment falls under Mockbusters, but mm. this is fast film terms and we don't. Really have time for that. I'll just say that my favorite is maybe the Frozen where they just drop the O. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, fast film terms. Well, thank you for listening to Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic Harry and Zane. Are those One Direction guys? Yeah, you got it. So I have a lot of students who love that Harry um, they love him so much. I love him a lot. Well, I mean, you have similar haircuts. Well, I mean, that's because I show a picture to the person cutting my hair and I say, <laughs> cut it like this. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I'm not joking. I didn't think you were. That's wonderful. Um, all right. So thanks to Boutwell Studios for producing this show. Sidewalkfest.com. And uh, Sidewalk, uh, at Sidewalk Film on uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where you can see um, news about all of the antics that Sidewalk is up to all the time. And um, thank you for listening. And you know what I think Brad should do for us right here? What's that? A little Harry Styles to take us out. You're so golden. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.